HR Trends is a weekly podcast featuring interviews with leading experts in the field of human resources. Produced by Unum, HR Trends draws from the deep bench of subject matter experts at Unum, as well as industry partners and national HR thought leaders. This program is not intended to constitute legal advice, and it's for general educational purposes only. If you need legal advice on a particular situation, please contact your own attorney. Welcome to HR Trends. I am your host, Claire Morin, and today we are revisiting well-being. We're looking at mental health, such an important issue globally, uh, and of course, May being Mental Health Awareness Month. We have two leading experts with us. We have Dr. Kristen Lee, who's an award-winning behavioral science professor, clinician, and author. She's the lead faculty for behavioral science at Northeastern University. She's also the author of Reset, Make the Most of Your Stress, and the new book, Mentaligence, A New Psychology of Thinking. Learn what it means to be more agile, mindful, and connected in today's world. We also have Laurie Mitchell. Laurie is the Assistant Vice President of Global Wellbeing and Health Management for Unum. She's responsible for the design, delivery, and management of initiatives that support the well-being of Unum's 10,000 employees and their families in the U.S., the U.K., and Ireland. So welcome, Laurie and Chris. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for joining us, because honestly, I can't think of a more important topic to discuss right now than well-being, individual and organizational well-being. because, of course, before the pandemic, mental health was a big issue, right? And now, with so much disruption, uh, it's becoming so important for employers and for everybody. Um, I wonder what you both are seeing kind of in your work spaces and, and in your conversations right now around what mental health awareness. Yeah, Claire. So absolutely, I think it's really important for us to all reflect on pre-pandemic mental health and then the current state. And certainly we were already seeing a global mental health crisis. We saw the World Health Organization, for example, reclassify, reclassify burnout as not just a health code or classification, but a workplace condition. And now in light of COVID, you know, given the, the intensity, the uncertainty, the trauma of it all, in, in many ways, I think a lot of us are, um, you know, glad to see that attention is being given. Um, but I think in many ways, we feel like we're chasing our tails, that we need to, you know, really work to make sure that everyone has access to the resources they need to sustain themselves, given the the intensity and the difficulty of the circumstances at hand. Right. And Laurie, I, you know, what Chris says is so true. What are your thoughts Yes, we've certainly, um, you know, been paying closer attention to to mental health and emotional well-being in the workplace, and we started doing that pre-COVID. However, with the current pandemic, we've, I I guess it's a, it's a shined even a brighter light on the need to give attention to this, as much attention as we give to other elements of well-being, such as uh, physical well-being and and financial well-being. As Chris mentioned, you know, the uncertainty that employees are dealing with, the uh, completely new situations, their routines have been disrupted. 
employees are not only trying to do their jobs at home, they're trying to um, parent their children, homeschool their kids. There are some employees who are uh, alone at home. So this is impacting all of us in very unique ways. And I've been home now working from home for nine weeks. And just when I feel like I've adapted, I, I do wonder <laughs> if I really have, um, because I, I certainly miss some of my routines and rituals. And, and I know that, Chris, you've talked about this and um, how those routines and, and rituals are really self-protective. Um, and sometimes I feel like I'm, I've, I've lost some of mine and I'm having to create some new ones. And I think that's certainly the, the case for a lot of employees as well. Indeed, Laura, I think that's a, a really great point. And when we think about resilience, that process of adaption through adversity, this, I think, just presents unprecedented challenges for us. And when we think about resilience research, for example, they talk a lot about protective factors, you know, things that um, help sustain us things that nourish and edify us. And for many of us, it's that social contact, it's that routine, it's that sense of, you know, just all the things we were accustomed to have been so significantly disrupted. And as you said, there's sort of this vacillation of emotion, like we are very much as a species wired for adaption. And like you said, you feel like you kind of get a handle on it and you're coping. And the next thing you know, you just feel off again. And that's very much the nature of this pandemic, you know, living through this trauma and this massive amount of disruption and also just you know the concern not only for ourselves and our own loved ones but writ large as we look across the globe you know the impact on people's lives um, is just something that you know is a lot for us to take in and try to make sense of. And Chris I wonder if you could speak also to that you talked about the disruption and and obviously the trauma and but then that adaptability of humans and actually our ability to um, that neuroplasticity that you've talked about, I know, in research and so on. Um, and actually that ability we have to sort of configure new responses or new habits that can actually help us thrive even in difficult times. Absolutely. I think that right now there's a lot uh, that's very sobering and there's a lot coming through our feeds about the grave circumstances. But one of the most encouraging and hopeful aspects of modern brain science is the fact that we as a species are wired for adaption. And this is known as neuroplasticity, which is just a way of saying that we rewire, you know, we're capable of that regrowth. And this doesn't happen in kind of a three-step pop psychology formula or pulling a rabbit out of our hat or we just snap our fingers. It happens over time with deliberate attention to mind, body, and soul. And, and so I think this is just something that's incredible. We're not sort of, I think when we feel stuck, we feel like we're fixed there forever, but the brain is actually just an inc incredible organism that allows us infinite growth and adaption. And, you know, we don't have to stay stuck in a particular place, even when things are really heavy and challenging. Right, right. And Laurie, I know you're interested in this as well. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Yes, I, and I love this deliberate attention um, because I think um, it you do have to be very intentional about this. And you know, for me, um, and what I you know talk about to, with with others is that it's things like you know making sure that you're getting enough sleep, um, eating a healthy 
uh, balanced diet. You know, as a nutritionist, I would I can't leave that one out. Um, getting regular activity. Uh, I also think it means um, if you do need professional help for your emotional well-being, that you're very proactive about um, getting that help and getting it sooner and getting um, the the appropriate care that you need. So, Chris, what do you when you think about deliberate? attention does it does it include that and others like how what is the what's the recipe if you if you will for for in that deliberate attention i love how you just framed that i think you nailed it and i think you know ultimately it is that whole aspect of how can we shift our mindsets and our behaviors and to one of my favorite quotes alvin Toffer says you know the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. And I think mm. when it comes to mental health and adaption and resilience, we're kind of sold a lot of ideas that are either too complicated to follow through with, or we're sold ideas that, again, people can't change. You can't teach a dog, an old dog, new tricks kind of mindset. Um, and what I think is terrific about these new discoveries of today is that it is within our locus of control. And I think right now in the pandemic in particular, we feel like we have no control, but there are things that are in our locus of control that we can give attention to. And you know, you've named them like lifestyle medicine is just a way of saying nutrition, hydration, proper sleep, getting out in nature. And again, like sometimes people think brain science is rocket science, right? It can seem like a little hard to unpack and deconstruct. But really, there's a lot of discussion now about something called reserve capacity and kind of how our emotional bandwidth really relies on those basic things that we do. And I think our tendency as a species, because we're so smart and we're, I think that that overachiever person or the highly intellectual person wants to dissect every nook and cranny of their psyche, <laughs> when sometimes we just need a great meal, a laugh, a good night's sleep time just to breathe. Um, they're saying even that two minutes of deep breathing can be a, a high source of recalibration. So sometimes I think we overcomplicate it, but the science is really showing that those small things make a big difference. Thank you, Chris, for that. And I wonder, we're looking in this mental health sort of episode, um, part one and part two, we're looking at first individual well-being, individual mental health for all of us, because we all need some guidance, some help there. Then the second part, we're looking at organizational well-being within organizations. How can HR teams start helping and sort of allow that crisis to be, to become lessened, to pe for people to find what they need, the resources? But on that, first on the individual level, Chris, could you maybe share, and then Laurie also, how could individuals proactively then start building these habits or this approach? Any resources you would recommend or uh, ways to kind of make this practical for them? Absolutely. So one of my favorite key words when we think about well-being and resilience is sustainability. And I think for a lot of us, we hear sustainability and we think about the environment, but we really have to think about our own efforts to not think we have to sprint through the marathon, so to speak, and how do we actually invest in a process of self-care? What I think sometimes we have to unlearn about self-care is ide or ideas that it's selfish to practice self-care or that it's superficial or it's kind of like 
the popularized versions, like go get your mani-pedi or treat yourself day, or I'm going to buy stuff on Amazon. You know, scientifically grounded self-care is about, again, that deliberate attention to your mind, body, and soul. And again, we have so much science, you know, again, if we took each different piece of it, whether sleep or nutrition or movement or time in, in nature, all of those things um, have a dramatic impact on our well-being. They have a cumulative effect, just like stressors do. You know, think of how stress builds up and, you know, we feel that we're at our threshold. We want to keep making those deposits of self-care into our own wellspring, into our own bank, uh, in order to sustain ourselves through complexity. And I think that a lot of times people feel like, well, you know, I, I know I should do this and it's hard to follow through, or I'm just too busy. There's just, I, I have back-to-back meetings and there's no time for it. Or I'll wait until my next vacation to relax, or I'll wait till this crisis is over or this deadline is through. But what research shows is we need to ritualize. It's called a break ritual. And mm. putting that into play every day, just like you're brushing your teeth every day or doing certain things, that mental health hygiene is critical. And it doesn't take a long time. It doesn't, you don't have to have a fancy gym membership. You know, there's a lot of things you can do that are low, like time investment or financial investment that really um, pay dividends in terms of our well-being. That's so great. I'm sitting up straight as you're speaking. I'm like, <laughs> I'm taking deep breaths. Breathe. Yeah, right. I, I mean, just, it just makes so much sense. And Laurie, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. And, you know, I just, I, I appreciate that. Um, um, what Chris just said, I, you know, um, sometimes get teased by my family. I'm very protective of my sleep. Uh, I go to bed at nine 30. <laughs> um, I, I read a little bit, but I, I'm, I'm one of those people that needs eight hours of sleep to really be at my best um, the next day. And I, and I feel it when I don't do that. So it's, it's really reinforcing uh, to hear. And I also, um, it is so easy to get caught up in the, uh, in the workday of, of, of meetings and, and projects. I actually put in my calendar and I've done this for a long time. um, My, when I'm going to be at the gym or going out for a run um, a couple times a week. So I protect that time so that I can go do that because I know that if I don't take the time to do that, that um, I'm not going to be at my best. So I really appreciate hearing that I'm kind of going down the right path um, with that. I've sort of learned over the years that that's what I need to do. That's my recipe for, um, for it's not just physical health. I, I'd actually say it's, it's as much about my emotional well-being as it is about my physical well-being. And, you know, the, I would just add that, you know, for employers out there in, in our uh, listener audience, that we, we collectively think about how do we encourage um, this kind of, you know, uh, personal self-care, but also direct um, make sure that your employees are aware of the resources that are available to them um, through their employer. So if there's an employee assistance program um, that can help, if somebody is in the need of, of or wants counseling to help uh, direct them and support their uh, their mental health, that that's available. And there may be other programs too. I mean, there are lots of apps out there today that can uh, support some traditional care. Things like Headspace or Sanbello can be quite helpful. And there's also telebehavioral health. 
uh, which I think we're we're all getting a uh, a new appreciation for. It existed pre-COVID, but certainly now, where perhaps access is a is a challenge for for some people, um, the telebehavioral health is is a great resource for for people to consider. Wonderful. And thank you for mentioning that, which is part two, actually, of our theme of mental health. In the next episode, we're going to be looking at organizational well-being. So based on this kind of foundation of individually, how can we help ourselves? <laughs> next time, we're going to actually look at how can HR departments really help uh, just be there for employees and and help sort of kind of know what the right things might be to do. So thank you both for joining us for part one. Thank you so much for, I can tell you, I'm putting some calendar slots on my calendar <laughs> um, <clears throat> for well-being. And uh, so thank you for your time. Thanks very much, Claire. Thank you, Claire. Unum is a registered trademark and marketing brand of Unum Group and its insuring subsidiaries.